as by way of introduction, um, so this week, uh, Darren and I are away for a couple days because we have some business that we have to do with our district. Um, so we're going to be gone Monday, Tuesday, we're heading up tonight. And the plan was that Michelle was going to come with us as well, and we're going to drop the kids off with Grandma and Grandpa. You can imagine how excited the, my kids have been for the last uh, three weeks. Are we going yet? Are we going yet? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? I, Dad, I have so many plans for when I get there. So excited. Like just every hour on the hour telling me about how excited they are to go to Grandma and Grandpa's. And then one of our kids got sick. And the second one got sick, and mom and dad had to break the news that you're not going to grandma and grandpa's anymore. So now guess what I hear every half hour on the half hour? I'm so sad that I don't get to go. God, Daddy, you sure? Can I? It's okay. Okay. Are you sure I can't go? Like, right? And, and this happens parents, we know this, we go through Walmart, we get too close to the toy section, can I have a toy, can I have a toy, can I have a toy, right, like our kids are so insistent, they're so persistent, they get a, focused on something and they ask and they ask and they ask and they ask, <laughs> and we love them for it, and we get frustrated with them for it, and it's just kids being kids, knowing that you are good parents, and they just want to, they know that they come to you for all the good things. I want you to keep that imagery in mind. The idea of our kids being like, mom, 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 dad, 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 I want it, I want it, I need it, I need it, mom. Okay, now all the grandparents are like, I'm so glad I'm done with that. All parents are like, like we're still going through it a little bit, especially the younger your kids are, the worse it is. Um, anyways, Keep that in mind as we dive into our passage this morning. Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, before I dive into anything, I hope that that verse, those two verses right there, are a massive encouragement for you. This actually came up as part of our, my mentoring here last week. Um, we were talking about praying and being persistent and persevering in the face of adversity. And one of my coaches pointed out that so often in life and so often in our faith, we ask for something, we seek God for something, and just before we get our breakthrough, we give up. Just before God is about to move, just before we're going to receive our answer, just before that door is about to open and that thing is about to arrive, we lose heart and we give up. And this morning I want to encourage you that whatever it is that you've been asking for, whatever it is that you've been seeking, whatever it is, whatever door it is that you've been knocking on, keep on. This translation, the new NLT uses that keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Most translations don't have that keep on, but it's actually the most accurate translation of what the Greek is saying. It's not just saying ask, but it's keep on Persist, be diligent, keep on asking, keep on seeking, don't give up, don't lose heart. Keep on doing it because those who ask receive, those who seek 
bind and those who knock the door will be open. <coughs> but this isn't a get rich quick thing. This isn't treating God as a vendor. And Jesus isn't telling us to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking as if we're going to somehow wear God down. There's been a lot of people asking God for a lot of different things, and God has never wavered. He's never wore down. So why does Jesus keep, asking, keep telling us to keep on, keep on asking, keep on seeking? Well, the reason is, is not because we we're trying to wear God down to the point where he just gives in and gives us what we want, but for the same reason that our kids keep on asking. Our kids have this deep, intimate relationship with us, and they know that good things come from us, and so they keep asking, because they think that what they're asking for is a good thing. Well, in the same way, we come to our Heavenly Father, and we keep on asking, not because we're going to wear him down, not because he's a vending machine, we just keep plugging that coin in until we get what we want, but because God wants to have a relationship with us, and how often when our kids are like that, asking, ask, 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 do we turn this into a teachable moment, being like, you know what, I'm going to teach you something about what a need is, I'm going to teach you something about what a want is, I'm going to teach you something about finances, I'm going to teach you something, because you're not going to get everything that you want, but I'm going to make sure that I get you everything that you need. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when Jesus was teaching us how to pray. And we said, God, give us our daily bread. Part of asking God to give us our daily bread is allowing God to teach us what our daily bread is. Helping us understand what is a want and what is a need. And just a couple weeks ago, Jesus went, took it a step further. And he says, don't you know that our, we serve a good God who's going to meet your needs? So trust him. Trust him with your finances. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your family. Jesus is just unpacking this idea of trusting God even more that we get to this place where we are have this deep intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where we depend on him on everything and the idea of keep asking keep seeking keep knocking is not to be singular minded but keep asking for everything keep seeking everything in your father keep knocking on that door And as we read this passage and as we look at it even more, some of the words that Jesus is using is very intentional. It should spark and remind us of some things that Jesus has already taught us or will teach us. Jesus says, seek and you will find. When when else did Jesus tell us to seek something? Matthew 6.33, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and to live righteously. Seek the kingdom of God. Why? Because that is the one superior thing that we need to be seeking. Jesus says, knock. Now, in those days, we normally wouldn't have doors to knock on. It probably would have been a gate. And in a few, and next week, actually, we're going to look at this idea that there's gates around the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be there's a narrow gate and a wide gate, and you're going to want to shoot for the narrow gate. And I'll tell you why next week. But there's a gate, and normally we knock on the gate to get into the city, and we knock on the gate to get into the kingdom. What doors are you knocking on? This isn't a discouragement, but this is an encouragement that as we go through life, God is walking with us hand in hand, and we are asking him for this good stuff. We're seeking him. We're seeking his wisdom in this. We're knocking on his door. Because God will always open the doors that he leads us to. I want you to be encouraged also that the idea, we, 
Our society is so quick to give up on stuff. In fact, it's, it's filtered into the way that we approach God. We look at God as though his will is through the open doors. Well, Jesus doesn't say, you don't need to knock on any doors because they're all going to be open for you. What is he saying? He's saying that God's will is going to lead you to some closed doors sometime. And are you willing to knock? Are you willing to do what it takes to get that door open? Ask why? Because God, you have a good father who wants to give you all of the blessings of heaven. Seek, seek his wisdom so that you know where he is leading you and what the good things are you should be seeking. Knock, not, don't knock on every door, but knock on the doors that God leads you to so that you know that he is the one who's going to open them for you. So the question I have for you is what are you asking for? What are you seeking? What door do you need to knock on? And keep on. Don't give up. Don't lose heart because the door hasn't opened yet. Don't lose heart because you haven't found it yet. Don't, don't stop asking because you haven't received because I, I guarantee you that lots of the things that you've been asking and seeking and knocking on, you were on the verge of receiving it and you just lost heart too soon. And I'm encouraging you to not lose heart. You serve a good God who is so powerful, so loves you so much, and wants to bestow every blessing he can on you. So keep, keep on. Don't give up. Verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, your Heavenly Father, give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, for some reason, every time I read this passage, I am reminded of a childhood story. I think I've shared this before. If not, you're all in for, well, it's, it's a funny story. Embarrassing for me, funny for you. Um, when I was young, I, this is seared into my brain. I probably need to forgive or repent or something. I don't know. Um, I was at my grandma and grandpa's on my farm. Grandma and grandpa lived <coughs> across the street from us. And, uh, or not across the street. There's a, we're on the farmyard. There's a row of trees. Our yard, their yard. Walk through the trees to get to where we need to go. Oh, okay. Everything's blank. Um, and it was my birthday. And I was at grandma and grandpa's hanging out with them. And I was so excited for my birthday. So you talk about the five love languages. My love language is gifts. So birthdays, Christmas, everything. I get super excited. So I was talking to Grandpa, <coughs> and I was hounding him. Grandpa, what'd you get me? 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 Grandpa finally got tired of me asking. He said, I got you a half-eaten potato. No, you didn't. Grandpa, seriously. No, I got you a half-eaten potato. And I, I dropped it. I was like, you know what? You're just being ridiculous. I, I'm just going to stop asking. I'll just find out because the birthday is in a few hours. Um, it'll all be there. Well, a few hours pass. Grandma and Grandpa come over for supper. We have cake and gift time. Yes. And I get this little box. About the A big. Could be anything. Sweet. So in my excitement, I rip open the wrapping paper. And Grandpa was a man of his word. 
There was a half-eaten potato sitting in a Ziploc bag box, right? The one that you rip open and it's half open. Yep, there's the half-eaten potato. Grandpa was dying. He thought this was the funniest thing he'd ever done. I was less than impressed. Um, I always thought, <laughs> for some reason when I read this passage, that this is what Jesus was talking about. That when our kids ask for bread, we give them a stone. And, and for somehow this was still a good gift. When they ask for a fish, we give them a snake. And somehow this is still a good gift. And I never quite put it together. And for some reason this, morning, this week as I was preparing, all of a sudden it came about, oh... No, we don't give them a stone when we ask for bread. We still give them bread. The point isn't actually the gift. Now, interestingly enough, in those days, it was, could have been an honest mistake. Ooh. Um, the way that they made loaves of bread, they were round and smooth and could have very easily been confused for a rock. That, that's just how they were made. Um, and in the Sea of Galilee, there were fish that looked like snakes. So again, easy mistake. You could accidentally give them the wrong animal. Um, but that's not the point Jesus is trying to make. He's not talking about mistakes. He's not talking about errors. And what Jesus is actually talking about is that at our base level, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus to give good gifts. Right? Someone asks you for something, you give them what they asked for, that's giving a good gift. You don't have to be a believer or follower of Jesus to give good gifts. And that's Jesus' point. He's like, despite our fallenness, even as a believer, I know that you've been forgiven. I know that you've been made new. The, the slate is wiped clean. But at some level, there's still that sinful nature that we will continue to wrestle with and argue with and contend with all the days of our life. Because even though it is powerless, it still tries to influence us into the things that are contrary to God. And that sinful nature will always try to move us towards selfishness. It will always try to move us towards conceit. It will always try to move us away from the things of God and towards the things of me. And what Jesus is saying is despite our handicap, despite the fact we have this sin nature, despite the fact that this thing is in us and trying to draw us away, we are still capable of doing what is contrary to our sinful nature and giving good gifts. And his point is, is that we're handicapped. God doesn't have that handicap. Your Heavenly Father doesn't have to contend with a sinful nature. He doesn't have to contend with temptation. He is perfectly good. And so if we are capable of doing good things despite what is going on in us, how much more can our Heavenly Father do good things when He doesn't have the handicap? Because His love isn't jaded. It is pure. His blessing is pure his grace that he pours out on you is pure he is not impacted in any way by sin not the way that we are and this is a call back to what we've been talking about this whole time with the through chapter 6 and chapter 7 is that we have a good god who loves us as his kids he is our good father and we can trust him We can rely on him. In fact, we can be dependent on him to the point where we just keep on coming to him with everything. God, I need direction. God, I need a blessing. God, I need a door. I need a new opportunity. Whatever it is, we come to him and like, God, Father, help. And we keep
keep on coming. We keep on asking because he is unaffected by sin. He is good. He loves you, and he will meet your needs where you are at. And it might not always be the way we expect. It might not always be the way that we want, but it will, he will never fail to come through for us if we are willing to depend on him. <coughs> And as we learn to depend, the question is, what are we withholding? Because you can't say that I'm completely dependent on God if there's parts of our life that we're like, God, I am completely dependent on you in this area because I am not getting it right, but this area I'm keeping to myself. Well, that's not complete dependence. That's not complete surrender. What are you withholding? And this is something that we will always struggle with. There will be times where we will give something to God because we know that he is bigger, stronger, wiser, more capable, and then things start going good, and we're like, ah, I'm going to take that back. Thank you, God, for taking care of it for a while, but you know what? Um, my mental space is better. My emotions are better. Finances have turned around. My time management has improved. Whatever it is that we think that we have now elevated ourselves, I'll take that back. And then it falls apart. We're like, ah! God, why did that happen? Stop taking it back. So what are the things we're withholding? Because God doesn't want you to withhold anything. In the same way that God didn't even withhold his own son, he's blessed you beyond measure. And if he's willing to give that, why would we withhold anything from him? Wrap up, verse 12, probably one that you've heard a lot. Uh, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, before I switch the screen, depending on your translation, um, you may or may not have this word. If you do, lucky you. If you don't, I want you, if you have your physical Bible, to add it. Um, Right here, you need to add the word, therefore. Okay, and this, and this is very important. Uh, I don't know why all those little dots are showing up. That's fun. Um, therefore, I'm going to read it again. Therefore, do to others whatever you like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. Therefore. And the reason that is so important is because we often treat what is called the golden rule. That's the golden rule, right? We've this is why I say we've probably all heard it because even unbelievers are like, do to others what you want them to do to you, right? This is, and not even there's a Christian thing. Every religion has some version of this in the heart of what it, what it teaches, but they usually teach the negative. Whatever you hate, assume others hate it as well. So don't do those things, okay? Jesus takes the positive effect. Whatever you want others to do to you, make sure you're doing it to them, Make sure that you are expressing the love, and it's not an independent rule. It didn't just, Jesus didn't just stick it in in the midst of all the teaching. It comes in light of everything he has talked about up to this point, particularly in chapter 7. Jesus talks about judging. Last week we unpacked that. And he says, you want to be condemning? You want to be prideful? You want to knock people down in your judgment? Get ready for it to come back to you. You want grace? (laughs) How willingly are you extending grace to others? You want love? How willingly are you to extend? This is a heart of humility that recognizes the fact that if I 
I can't expect others to treat me in a way that is different from how the way I treat them. And so I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to lower myself, and, and just extend people the courtesy that I want back. And this, this isn't groundbreaking. This just makes sense. You can't expect people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. This is the heart of Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees. The Pharisees would stand in the temples and stand in the churches and give these great instructions, but they wouldn't lift a finger to do it themselves. They just expected everyone else to do it. Even in Matthew 6, when he's teaching us to pray, he says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Don't forgive and you won't be forgiven. Last week, judge. You want to judge? Fine, but expect God to use the same measure you use with others. Do to others as you want others to do to you. Forgive willingly. Why? Because we want God to forgive us willingly and graciously and abundantly. Judge others in a way that you seek what is wrong and you build them up. Why? Because that's how we want God to judge us. Right? We don't want God to condemn us. We want God to build us up. Do to others. Do to others as you want them to do to you. And this gets tough. Because when we recognize that we've been acting improperly towards somebody and we make the change, right? We make the change and our expectation is, okay, I changed, now you change too because I changed. And it doesn't work that way, right? If we've been harsh with somebody and suddenly we become gracious, they're not just going to become gracious because we decided to be. It's going to take some time. And this is where we start to lose heart, because well, I tried, I tried being forgiving, I tried being loving, I tried being encouraging, I tried, and it didn't work. People still treated me poorly. I'm just going to go back to the way, because it was just easier. No. No. It's going to take time. And you need to persevere. You need to be diligent in it. <coughs> in business, in church, in all these different areas of life, they say that if you come into a new situation or you try doing something new, it usually takes about five years for the change to take root. Five years. That requires a lot of diligence. That requires a lot of persevering. That requires a lot of where we started of keeping on. To press through despite the pushback, despite the opposition, despite the fact that it may not go our way, we just keep on pressing on. So the B statement this morning is be diligent. Be diligent in your asking. Be diligent in your seeking. Be diligent in your knocking. Be diligent in treating others the way you want to be treated. Be diligent in these things because as we change and as we grow, we're going to face opposition. But Jesus calls us to be different, to not give up at the first sign of problem, but to see the problem as an opportunity for God to step in and do what only God 
can do. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Be diligent. Keep on keeping on.